1: Now, friend, if in your life you're struggling with a relationship with Christ, you need to get on the right side. I mean, You don't need to be on the wrong side. You need to be on the right side. This is not about a church we're talking about. It's not about some ideology. We're talking about loyalties that really matter. I want to be on Jesus Christ's side. What about you?
2: That's Pastor Michael Oxen-Tanko. If This is Reaching Your Heart. Keep this telephone number in mind throughout today's broadcast, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, you can call us at any time. Once again, that phone number, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Here now is our pastor teacher, Michael Oxentanka with today's broadcast here on Reaching Your Heart, entitled, When Mercy Meets the Beast.
1: You know, a little beast can cause a whole lot of trouble. It happened on a Delta flight from Baltimore to Atlanta. The flight was delayed, and people were talking on the plane about the stir the Pope had made with his historic visit to Washington, D.C. It seems that someone had official permission to transport a live tarantula onto the plane. In fact, they were transporting a number of live tarantulas. In and of itself, that wouldn't be a big deal, but somehow the spiders got loose in the plane, which caused a considerable scare. So the search began and for the little beasts, I'd say the little beasts, that could scare the wits out of you or any other unsuspecting passenger. Locating those guys, getting them off the plane was a big deal. Finally, one of the tarantulas was found in the cargo hold of the plane. And the decision was made, shut this plane down, get us out of here. And so that plane didn't go anywhere. There are about 900 species, they say, of this hairy spider walking around on the earth. 900 species? And according to the online encyclopedia, most of these little beasts are harmless. Now, the problem with the online encyclopedias, description is the word most. So who wants to mess with a hairy tarantula when the exception can bite you or inflict fright? It's that one that's not part of the most that you know is most likely to get you in the night. And since that's the case, these unsuspecting travelers are looking out for tarantulas on Delta Airlines. Don't avoid Delta. Fly with confidence. Now, friend... We're going to get real focused here today. I'm not here today to talk about things that are silly. We're not going to talk about little beasts that scare you. We're going to talk about something that Christ has placed in your Bible to inform you. And I'll say right up front, my intention is not to offend anyone here. What we have observed this week is a partial fulfillment of Bible prophecy. And we must be in tune. Now, let me just state it forthrightly. We must be in tune. We don't need to be demonizing any group or whatever, but we need to be fair to what the Bible's saying. So I want you to hear me out. Let's have a dialogue today from the Scriptures. I'm going to preach and teach as the Bible has it. And please open your Bible and follow with me. In the book of Revelation, there are only two beasts mentioned specifically. And both of these two beasts are mean and messy. In fact, they are diametrically opposed to God's purpose of mercy for the world. They don't represent churches in and of themselves. They represent world kingdom systems or powerful political players at time that interact with churches. Friend, as we near the end of time, most Christians don't realize it. But God desires to pour out a flood of mercy on this planet to prepare this planet for the coming of Jesus Christ. And our home is not saving this planet ecologically, even though we should be ecologically minded. I'm not against that. Our hope is in the coming kingdom of God. And that kingdom will mercifully intervene in world history to save those who are yearning for it. I yearn for a homeland. Friend, God does not want one single person here to be lost. Now, you need to write that down in your notepad. God does not want me and my family to be lost. He wants my family, me, to be saved. Do you believe that? It's huge. I mean, so what we're talking about is part of that concern of God, the mercy measure of God for you at the time of the end. He wants you to know so you can grow, so you can abide in Christ and get it right. God wants every man and woman to be saved, and yet there are two messy beasts in the book of Revelation at the end that collaborate at the time of the end to wreck his generous plan of mercy for the human race. In Revelation 13 verse 1, we begin with the first beast, the beast from the sea. The Bible says, and I saw a beast rising out of the sea with ten horns and seven heads, with ten diadems upon its horns, and a blasphemous name upon its heads. Now it doesn't take a genius to figure out this beast is bad news because it's introduced with a blasphemous name. Verse two And the beast that I saw was like a leopard. Its feet were like a bear's, and its mouth like a lion's mouth. And if you're a student of Daniel 7, you know what's going on here. The four great world empires from Babylon to Persia, Greece, Rome are described as a lion followed by a bear, a leopard, and then a ten-horned beast. And they represent the four successive kingdoms from Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, Rome, which then fractured into the basic ten divisions of Europe. And so this beast here is made up of all the world kingdom orders that have come before it. It is a coalescing of power. In a real sense, it represents the world kingdom system. And that world kingdom system, according to the text, has a blasphemous name upon its head. Now, why would that be the case? It's the case because this beast, in the context of Revelation, stands... In in the place of jesus christ it is antichrist because it mimics the life the death and the resurrection of jesus christ and its hold on the world is that of a usurper verse two and the beast that i saw was like a leopard its feet were like a bear's and its mouth was like a lion's mouth and two, it the dragon and who's the dragon previously in revelation 12 the dragon is satan that ancient serpent so spiritual forces are moving through this world kingdom order And to it the dragon gave his power, his throne, and great authority. And one of its heads seemed to have a mortal wound, but its mortal wound was healed. And the whole earth followed the beast with wonder. That's an amazing statement. In other words, when Christ is coming at the end of time, there will be a world kingdom order. And instead of following Christ, the whole world is following this beast which is functionally Antichrist. So in the context of Revelation 13, this beast from the sea is the Antichrist. In Revelation seventeen fourteen, the Lamb is called Lord of Lords and King of Kings. In Revelation nineteen eleven to 16, Jesus returns on a white horse to prove it. Like a Roman general, he comes with the armies of heaven to conquer this beast and to bring the kingdom of God, the mercy intervention at the time of the end. And this beast is, in contrast, the world kingdom order that stands against the coming kingdom of God. Daniel 7.23 states plainly that a beast represents a kingdom. He says the fourth beast is a fourth kingdom that shall be upon the earth. But we don't need to go to Daniel to prove it. Revelation 16 verse 10. The beast itself has a kingdom. The Bible says it forthrightly. The fifth angel poured his bowl on the throne of the beast. Now, if you have a throne, it means you're a king. And so this power has dominion. And he goes on to say, Its kingdom was in darkness. Men gnawed their tongues in anguish. The beast in Revelation 13 has ten horns and ten crowns. On the ten horns. Now the focus here. On the early side of Revelation 13. Is not the time of the end. It's the time in history. When the Roman Empire. The world kingdom system. Morphed into the divided Europe of the Middle Ages. When Rome instead of having just a single emperor. Basically the kingdoms of Europe. Had kings sitting on different thrones. And so crowns are on the horns. Showing us the horrendous damage. That this beast inflicted upon the Christian church in the Middle Ages. In Revelation 17, 19, the beast works with the kings of the earth to make war on the Lamb in the second coming of Christ. So we find that this beast is pictured at the very end of time having a direct interaction with God's people, God's truth, in a negative way before the return of Jesus. Turn with me to Revelation 19, verse 19. John writes, And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth with their armies gathered to make war against him who sits upon the horse and against his army. So here, this world kingdom order with the other kingdoms of the earth are pictured at the second coming of Christ, marshalling their military force and might to attack the kingdom of God, to prevent the second coming of Christ from having its right outcome in the lives of men and women to attack the church of God on earth. So there's no missing the point here. At the end of time, the beast of revelation is a world kingdom order that unites the kings of the earth to make war on Christ. Now, friend, if in your life you're struggling with a relationship with Christ, you need to get on the right side. I mean, you don't need to be on the wrong side, you need to be on the right side. This is not about a church. We're talking about, it's not about some ideology. We're talking about loyalties that really matter. I want to be on Jesus Christ's side. What about you? That means I cannot be on the side of the beast and be on Jesus Christ's side. So if my love for the world is stronger than my love for Christ, I'm on the wrong side. Does that make sense? So we have to love Christ supremely in our lives. So there's no missing the point. We have to be on the right side. the book of Revelation, the beast is the Antichrist. It doesn't use the word, but how do we know that? Because the beast mimics Christ. The beast looks like Christ. It takes the authority of Christ. It's a blasphemous name. It looks like Christ, but it's not. In the Bible, where this word is used, in fact, the word Antichrist in Greek means against or instead of Christ. The beast is always in the way of Jesus Christ in the book of Revelation. So at the time of the end, friend, you really don't want to be on the side of the beast that opposes Christ. In the book of Revelation, the beast from the sea is a carouser. Did I say that right? Yeah. You know, it stays up late at night, drinks what it shouldn't do. Immoral beast... I mean, that's the picture that Christ gives in the book of Revelation. The beast flirts with a harlot city that has rejected the idea that she can be the bride of Christ. See, in the Bible, when the faithful city of Jerusalem is right with God, it's married to Christ. It's concerned with heavenly things, not earthly political things. When Jerusalem in the Old Testament made alliances with Egypt or Babylon, they went into captivity or they were judged by God because God considers that spiritual fornication. So a faithful city is concerned with Jesus Christ. A spiritual city has its loyalty straight. But this beast carouses with an unfaithful city in the book of Revelation. A harlot city that will never be the bride of Christ because it's in love with the world. A harlot city that sees the world as its home instead of heaven. In the book of Revelation, this harlot city and the beast come together. They're in the wilderness. And in the context, they never go to the promised land because they're happy together they're not married, but they're together. In verse 3, we have the description of this beast and the harlot. He carried me away in the spirit into a wilderness. And I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, which was full of blasphemous names. It had seven heads and ten horns. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet, bedecked with gold and jewels and pearls, holding in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the impurities of her fornication. And on her forehead was written a name of mystery. Now that's the word we want to kind of zone in on here. The word mystery.
2: You are listening to Reaching Your Heart. More with Pastor Michael Oxen-Tanko in just a moment. A reminder, we are a listener-funded ministry. We do appreciate your support. If you can help us out with a financial contribution, here's the phone number, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. You can also find us on the web at reachingyourheart.com. That's reachingyourheart.com. We appreciate you listening. Don't forget, at the end of today's broadcast, we have a special book for you. We'd love to be able to give that to So stay tuned to find out more about that at the close of today's Reaching Your Heart. Here he is, Pastor Mike, once again.
1: Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of earth's abominations. Friend, at the end of time, the harlot rides the beast. Christ comes in Revelation 19. This description is in Revelation 17. The judgment of the harlot is Revelation 18. So this is just before the intervention at the end of time. In the book of Revelation, the harlot is not a world kingdom at the time of the end. For people to say, well, the harlot is the world kingdom beast. No, you can't be the beast and the harlot at the same time. In the Middle Ages, they were fused together. They were part of what we call the Holy Roman Empire. It was a church-state fusion of medieval history. But at the end, the Bible is very clear. The harlot rides the beast, manipulates it, but the harlot herself is not the world kingdom order which means that she tries to control the beast at first, but the beast gets out of control in the end, and the beast burns her with fire and eats her life. Now, I can really relate to this. I have a beast at my house named Smokey. Anybody have a beast at your house too? You have a beast? And I try to tell my beast to obey, and he doesn't want to obey. Now, I have to use force every now and then. Smokey, lie down. Now, if he knows that if I'm not bigger and stronger, I'm not an alpha male in the house, he will not lie down. If he runs away, he'll come back when he wants to. He won't come when I call him. Now, I love the beast in our house because the beast belongs to my younger son. Because of my younger son, the beast has a place in my house. But it's hard living in our house. Last night as I was working my sermon, Smokey came running down the stair steps. Now, I have around each one of his paws a sock on his paw with Velcro. So you come to our house, you're going to see Smokey with shoes on, socks Now, why does Smokey have Velcro and socks around his paws? Because I have a brand new wood floor I put in that place. And Smokey has these intense claws, and he really messes them up. He was so happy. I was working on my sermon. He came down. He got a little sheep fleece that he found in our closet. He came down the stairs, throwing it in the air like he just caught it, dangling, scuffing up my floor back and forth. I said, Smokey, be still. He wasn't still until I made him be still. It's hard to manage a beast, isn't it? Friend, you cannot manage the beast at the end of time. The beast will manage you. So you have to be on the right side of things. You have to be with Jesus Christ. So where's Smokey today? Well, he's in his kennel on the Sabbath day, so I can have a little rest until the Sabbath day is over. Oh, you feel sorry for Smokey? You should feel sorry for the preacher who stayed up till 2 a.m. trying to write his sermon because Smokey was out of control. There's no sympathy out there. I mean, they're all animal lovers, not pastor lovers. We treat our dog okay. We're having to work with unique issues, as I said. (laughs) What? Don't believe me? What's true? Okay. Now look, this relationship is not a stable relationship. The harlot rides the beast. The harlot cannot control the beast at the end of time. The beast will get out of control and will eat her alive according to the correlation. So this is a dysfunctional relationship. The harlot's sins are pictured in the book of Revelation as pornographic. In verse 2, she gets the kings of the earth drunk. She seduces them. In verse 2, she also commits fornication with the kings of the earth. In the book of Revelation, a woman represents a religious body that should belong to Jesus Christ, who is the bridegroom sent from God. That's the imagery that it's rightly deserved. The bride of Christ is a woman. This harlot will not be a bride because she's in love with the beast. In contrast, the harlot is a church city system, that belongs to the beast, the kings of the earth. In fact, it says in Revelation 17, she has dominion over the kings of the earth. In verse 3, the harlot sits on a beast with blasphemous names, as we've already said. That means the harlot and the beast are playing God at the time of the end. So we see this unnatural union turning out to where they're taking godlike power of the world before Jesus returns. In verse 4, the woman is dressed in purple. Now, purple is the color of royalty, it's also the color of wealth and extravagance. It would imply she's acting like an emperor. The emperors resided in Rome. Even though she is not the beast, she's acting like she's the beast by trying to get her way in the halls of power. The harlot city here represents a church system that is highly engaged in politics. In Revelation 17 5, she is called the mother church. She's the mother of other harlots. She has given rise to other church systems who are also engaged in politics that have an interaction with the beast power. Revelation seventeen five and on her forehead was written a name of mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and averse abominations. When legitimate lovers are in mind in the Bible, a mystery represents a marriage. So what's the mystery of God? It's the marriage of God to His people. A mystery is a union of sorts. In Ephesians 5.32, Paul says that marriage is a profound mystery and that it represents the union of Christ with His church. Let's go there and look at the verse. Paul says, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother, and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Next verse. This mystery is a profound one, and I am saying that it refers to Christ And to the church. The mystery of the gospel involves how Christ is wed to his people by a covenant kingdom relationship that is analogous to marriage. The harlot isn't married to Jesus Christ in the book of Revelation. The harlot church is joined to the world. She is a city kingdom that is the mother church that has given birth to many harlot churches who are acting just like her. In Revelation 17 4, the harlot is covered with jewelry and extravagance instead of humility and simplicity. She is the center of great wealth. And what is her core crime in the book of Revelation? Beyond the crime of flirting with the beast and the kings of the earth by playing politics? Revelation 17:6. This harlot city historically is guilty of the deaths of the Christian martyrs of the Middle Ages. The Bible is very specific about that. And I saw the woman. Revelation 17, 6, Drunk with the blood of the saints and the blood of the martyrs of Jesus, when I saw her, I marveled greatly. I have read some of the accounts of these dear Christian men and women who died in the Middle Ages. Now, friend, I'm grateful I have a Bible in my hand. My Bible is an electronic Bible. It's the iPad version here. I have, in fact, 100 Bibles in my hand. I like this. And it keeps my notes in a cloud. These dear men and women died so we could have this Bible in our hand. And they died horrible deaths, a lot of them. And I don't want to go into the specific details, but one story that has stuck with me over the years was the story, actually I read the letter of a Christian mother who wrote her daughter who had just been born, hoping that that letter would end up in that daughter's hands, saying, tomorrow I die for Jesus Christ. I live in a world, and it was the medieval world, that will not accept the truth of Christ as our Savior. And to live by the Word of God means that if this world is not the place we live, then we die in this world for the world to come. And she said, I pray that you will have a future. I will not be your mother in this world. But may this letter find you. And those courts in the Middle Ages sentenced that woman to death for belief in Jesus Christ and the Word of God. And the great tribunals of heaven stood by and recorded those events. And the great judgment seat of God will deal with that injustice against that Christian mother. She is only one example of thousands, millions that died in the Middle Ages. Friends, we are talking about the most horrific period of human history. And the Bible says that city is guilty of that crime. We must not forget that unless hearts change, unless systems change, there is an accumulation of guilt until we near the end of time. Revelation 17, 9. The Bible says, this calls for mind with wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman is seated. There's only one city on earth that was founded on seven hills or mountains. Actually, two. But each of those are technically considered the same city. And you know what it is. In the book of Revelation, there is a time when the beast is not. Just like Jesus, the beast lived and then the beast died. In Revelation 13.3, it says the beast had a mortal wound that eventually was healed. Just like Christ, the beast from the sea was given 42 months. Now, what's that? 42 months in the Bible, a prophetic month is 30 days. 42 times 30. Crunch the numbers with me. You got a calculator? 1260 days. Now, in Revelation 12, the church goes into the wilderness during the Middle Ages for 1260 days. But these 1260 days aren't literal days. They're symbolic of a day for a year. It represents 1260 years. And right smack in Europe, as Christians were dying for their faith, Christians in the Alps of northern Italy recognized that they were the church in the wilderness for the 1260 days. And they said, when this time period is over, the church will have relief. Now, it's significant that 1260 days, which is crunched down to 42 months, is three and a half years. Christ's ministry on earth was for how long? Three and a half years. So here is a prophetic time period which matches the ministry of Christ. It's not the ministry of Christ. It's the counterfeit of the ministry of Christ. So as Christ built up the church for three and a half literal years, during the Middle Ages for three and a half prophetic years, which is 1,260 days, each day being a year, 1,260 years. Friends, over a millennium, this power tore down... The gospel of Christ, it subverted the word of God and men and women of faith died to stay true to Jesus. That's what the Bible is saying here. And so the book of Revelation, there is a time when the beast is not. So at the end of this time period, just like Christ came to the end of his ministry, this beast has a mortal wound. And that mortal wound occurred in the French Revolution. The French Revolution dissolved the church state order of the Middle Ages. You know why we can do this today? Why I can stand here and preach and teach this message from the Bible and not be executed today? It's because the French Revolution transitioned the world from a church-state union to a world in which nationalism was separate from the religion of the state. And a state-sponsored religion could not persecute people of any faith. I live in a country today, the United States of America, where if you're a Roman Catholic, you can worship God in freedom. Is that a good thing? Absolutely. Absolutely. If you're not a Roman Catholic, if you're a Protestant, you can worship God in what? Freedom. Is that a good thing? Absolutely. You see, people ought to be able to worship God with a free conscience without being persecuted for what they believe. This is a unique, short period in human history. Thanks for
2: listening today to Reaching Your Heart with Pastor Michael Tanko. We are a listener-supported ministry and would love for you to partner with us as we continue to present Christ-centered, biblical truths of Scripture in practical and relevant ways. Call us right now at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. And if you do call right now for a donation of any size, Pastor Mike would like to give you a book entitled Satisfied, How God Can Meet your deepest needs. Visit the website reachingyourheart.com to find out more about this ministry, Reaching Your Heart, and Pastor Michael Tenko. That's Reaching Your Heart. Dot com. If you do have the means to bless us with a little larger gift of $500 to $1,000, it would particularly help us right now to continue to bring you these messages on this station. Eight 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 two four four hope That's 888 4673 You can donate right there on the website, reachingyourheart.com. 888-244-HOPE. Thanks for listening. And as always, we do pray that God is reaching your heart.